0: friends and welcome back to South Talk. We've got a great show for you today Matt is here. This episode is a good one Johnny and Matt talk about food and drinking and baseball I mean what more do you people need? You get that and four walls and adobe slats for your girls and I feel like you are set. On with the show.
1: Hello, friends. My name is Johnny Touchdowns. Welcome to Sauce Talk. you have got a great episode for you today. I'm going to start things off. I've got a little story for you, a little thing about how things are going in my neck of the woods. I can't tell you why this happened. Here's some unrelated events that lead to the important uh, final event that we're going to get to eventually. Let's say 3.45 this afternoon. I'm sitting at my desk at work. I go to work. They give me a desk. It's true. Don't be so impressed. And I'm, I'm just sitting there, and I, I push up. My gla- the, the nose of my glasses just a little bit. They slid down just a little bit. They're they're pretty. They're fitted pretty well to my face, but not perfectly. And so I, I pushed them up just a little bit, and something felt a little off. Now I it's not so uncommon. That can happen. I, it can be that I just my face feels wrong, and it just feels off. Or it could be a tell. But either way, something was like weird. But then I just pushed it back. Everything was fine. Went on about my day. And then I went outside, and. For those who don't know, I live in Minnesota. It's fucking cold. It was like 5 degrees. And I had a bit of a hike out to where I had parked, and I finally got out there, and I sat down in my car and I started it up, and I'm waiting for like the hot air to happen. And then my glasses had slipped down my nose yet again, and I pushed them up again, and uh, they broke in half on my face and fell on the ground. It was terrible. And I I have, I'm not going to say like notably poor vision but certainly vision that i should not like drive around without uh glasses and like i i have like plastic i don't know what the hell whatever standard glasses frames are that aren't wire framed i have that kind and they were just broken dead right in the center two like equivalent mirror image pieces and i I could not hold them together on my face so i just i just I drove home blind. Don't tell anybody. I probably shouldn't have done it. Like I know the way I'm going, but like I couldn't see my GPS because my vision is poor, and I could like see the shapes of the cars, but I, I couldn't I couldn't like I was gonna go a di- I was gonna go a different way because there was a really bad traffic and there was an accident, but I realized I can't read any fucking street signs. If I get off the thing, I can't do anything. I'm just like, I have always thought it's kind of bad that I'm so reliant on my glasses. Maybe I should keep an extra pair in the car. Maybe I should now. I don't know. Uh, but it, it was a very bad time. But I, I made it home. Nothing bad happened. And then I put my contacts in when I got here. Oh, I should add, I also felt like I was going to throw up by the time I got home because I'm just not accustomed to going around doing things uh, without my glasses on. And so my brain was just like having a bad time. Also some parts it was really bad so I tried to hold up like part of my broken glasses up to my face while I made important left turns that made the motion sickness or whatever much worse in fact, probably would have been better off not doing that and just leaving things to the gods but either way, I made a home in one piece I don't recommend you do this I apologize I probably shouldn't have done it myself but uh, it, it was it was a terrible time um, but anyway that's that Matt Schmidt eat anything good lately <laughs>
0: Hello, John. Lovely to be on Sauce Talk once again. None of that is an answer. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So, Dawn for Christmas asked for several cookbooks that we've been kind of slowly making recipes out of. Um, A lot of them are by this guy named Otolenghi. How do you spell
1: that?
0: O T T O. Now, why is that not Otto? G H I. I don't, I think he's. Iranian or from Beirut, I don't know, Lebanese maybe, I'm not sure. Um, but he has like a vegetarian cookbook. He has one that's called like simple. I'm looking at one called sweet right now. Um, and in the one called simple, there's a very good, uh, soba noodle recipe with, uh, avocados and lime juice and chopped nuts and cilantro and basil and it's really really good and I made it uh, the other night and it was it was quite tasty
1: that's a fantastic answer it sounds really good what uh where where did this oto and longi come from that everybody you were like I need multiple cook I guess or uh your, your, your lovely lady there needed multiple cookbooks by this guy is this a famous person
0: I think so I mean I had never heard of him before but I think he has a restaurant in New York and is Somewhat known in that scene, but I could not tell you basically anything about him, including his first name or where he is from or where his restaurant is. So, uh,
1: do you have any of those books handy? Uh yes. I can wait. Go lot. grab. Go go grab all of them. Travel with me. <laughs> oh, for the for the listener, Matt is carrying his uh, computer around. I'm getting a really. It's like a Peep Show. I'm basically okay. watching Peep Show right now. So uh, his
0: name is Yotam, Y-O-T-A-M. That's his first name. There's a book called Plenty More, which is backwards because of how cameras
1: work. Very nice. Um, It's got a fun, like, poofy cover. I will jump in real quick and show you in my notes. I didn't realize that you were saying... Uh, that his last name was all of that. I thought his name was Otto <laughs> Longhi, and that's why I was like, "Well, if his first name is Otto, why is that Otto?" Now I see that that is all his last name. That is all that his makes last more name. Sense. And I, I did I didn't not know it. his
0: first name at yeah,
1: all. I guess you, you said that is well. okay. So if you got one of those books, can you can you tell me which ones you've got there?
0: Uh, this one is called Plenty More. Vibrant vegetable cooking from London's Otolenghi. So okay, and
1: what else food. have you got? Uh, let's see, there's one called Sweet.
0: Not that uh, one, what there's,
1: else? There's one called Simple. I think. I think maybe the one you've got is good. Is there like an index in the back? Yeah. Go to the R's. Uh, sure. Is there a, a listing for ranch dressing? <laughs> there is no listing for ranch dressing. That book can go in the trash. You don't need that. Okay. Um, first major segment we're going to talk about today. Uh, how, how do you feel about the uh, the Houston Astros, Matt? You think that's, that's a cool bunch of guys? You want to go hang out with them?
0: Seems like a bunch of cheating jerks, All right? I don't know. I, I think the most fun part of it so far is whoever is on Twitter pretending to be Carlos Beltran's niece and just. Tweeting out apparently very accurate statements of how the Astros cheated. So I don't know,
1: <laughs> like how that happens, but there's a lot of subterfuge going on here. So that person's out, there. and then the moment they set up, whoever that person is, there were like in the no baseball people like I've actually been hearing this before it right. came out that they that like this is. Not Carlos Belchance's niece We don't know why they're saying it is We don't know who it is But like that was a good enough cover And this, this was an effective way to get this message out there People were, like, honestly, Gary
0: right. Sheffield's son Is like that. that's a player Shh I saw, knows, somebody, I saw no somebody st-
1: Somebody else like Scott Brocious's son Is saying that Mike Trout takes HGH Like everybody is trying to get out there With their, uh, with their shit That they think they're connected to but that's going on and then uh yesterday somebody made what seemed like did you i may, i think it went on for a couple of days maybe even did you see the seemingly obvious burner account for carlos beltran no and there was another thing going around where somebody was very vehemently defending carlos beltran and like how he was the Mets were so lucky to have him, and he's such a good guy. And he didn't do it, and everything great about him. And then, it ha- I think it had like Beltran's number in the name. And then, when you did like all that re- that detectives, some people do, like you go try to recover it, and you can see previews of like what the email address is. All of it mm-hmm. was aligned perfectly to make it seem like it was Beltran. To the point, this is this is how through the looking glass we are now. That people are like, well, if you wanted to make it look like. This where Carlos Beltran (laughs) count. This is what you would do because I think I think it had Beltran's middle name as part of it. It was it was so perfect, but just a mess. And so like I don't know who to believe about anything except I don't believe the Astros about anything, and I think they got fucking buzzers on their body.
0: Uh, It seems really obvious, right? Like you've seen the picture with Reddick. With whatever that is yeah. on his shoulder, people have been tweeting out the video of Jose Altuve being like, "No, please do not try to tear off my jersey." Altuve
1: thing is so and damn. Going
0: to change, and I think, I, I mean, I, I was thinking about this earlier today, and I was thinking, like, when the Cubs hired David Ross, you know, good idea, bad idea, whatever. What I was thinking is, oh man, like they should really hire the. They interviewed, I think, the Astros bench coach, right? Yeah, Whoever spot, that is.
1: Everybody, I, I would have told you that would be the better hire.
0: And I was like, how could you not hire someone from a system where at every level they're hitting way better than everyone else? Wouldn't that be the perfect thing for what is ailing the Cubs right now? And then and today I just realized, oh, shit, there's a reason, and it's
1: because of systemic, yeah. perhaps system-wide cheating. Yeah, the Cubs could be the Mets right now. They could be the team that like didn't even benefit, but it's just like, oh, look what we watered into. Guess what? Great news for us—we get to be a part of this scandal and dur- that happened during seasons. We're like winning seventy-eight games a year. Great work by us. So, isn't
0: yeah. that that's so that's so Mets though, isn't it? Like, it, it's okay, the most we're finally thing maybe now. recovered from the Bernie Madoff thing where we gave him hundreds of millions of dollars. Maybe we're starting to get something turned around oh, wait, no, we're just going to faceplant into another fucking giant scandal. Uh,
1: I, I think that, I don't know, I'm optimistic that this is, is, is so far from over. And one thing I've been thinking about a lot, I, I, have you, first off, before we get too far into anything, did you read the uh, report that came out Monday?
0: the actual MLB report? Yeah.
1: No, I did not. I've only I have not read the whole thing. I've read excerpts. Most notably, did you see how they referred to the trash can stuff? No. At every instance they talked about the banging scheme. <laughs> it must say banging scheme 300 times in the report. <laughs> And who orchestrated the banging scheme? And who was actually affiliated with the banging scheme? And who was just, like, near the banging scheme? <laughs> like, these motherfuckers put didn't together want to get... quite the banging scheme.
0: Who didn't want to get too deeply involved in the banging scheme?
1: Who, like, thought the banging scheme would be fun, but as soon as they got there, like, oh, I, you know, I had an idea of what a banging scheme <laughs> would be like, but now that I'm here, I don't think I'm up for a banging scheme, it turns out. <laughs> That's a far to me. more I'm awkward. far sure <laughs> This so is like, more awkward than I ever thought it would be. I wanted to go to a banking scheme, but now that I see you're involved in a banking scheme, I'm not so into it. It turns out, it turns out, I got a different scheme. I'm gonna go home and do mine my, myself, and it's better in a lot of ways. Because
0: <laughs> yeah. really, it's a scheme for me.
1: Yeah. Uh, so that's really good. But I don't believe the report says that they granted players immunity in exchange for uh, not for discussing what happened openly. Mm-hmm. But they something along these lines has happened. Because almost everybody, no one's named by name except for Carlos Beltran, as far as players. Mm-hmm. But they, they, the players pretty much just talked and said, here's what happened. Obviously, there's lots of reasons Major League Baseball doesn't want to punish the players beginning with. The players are represented by a powerful union, the managers and the general managers and the team presidents are not. So it's much easier mm-hmm. to punish them. And uh, they also don't have a CBA negotiation that is already ripe for being uh, extremely contentious coming up with the managers and the general managers. Whereas with the players, have lots of reason not to go pick a new fight with them. But, boy, does it sure seem like everyone on the Astros was like, "Yeah, we're real sorry about when we treated, ch- cheated in 2017 and a little bit in 2018 and then we felt so bad we stopped forever (laughs) and if you went into this investigation and did that i think you probably shouldn't get to play baseball anymore but the problem is it seems like literally every astro just did that like this report (laughs) was timely for like 50 hours maybe before this scandal is so much bigger than the first one the banging scheme, which we all enjoy, is pretty bad. But, like, taping electric shit to the players' bodies and then lying directly to the commissioner about it in an investigation about cheating is a much worse scandal. It's great. Do you think
0: if the punishment had been worse, that what we have to assume our players wouldn't be coming forward and, like, oh, yeah, what about this? And what about this? Like, if you think they handed out a season ban to, uh, like, Altuve and Springer, let's say, would it have kind of soothed the players enough or satisfied the other players enough not to be like, oh, yeah, you should see the shit that they were actually doing, which is ten times worse? It could
1: be. I don't know. It's just... I feel like from... I, I think at every step here, it really appears as though this is Major League Baseball, trying to kill this as quickly as possible, likely because they know this is far more prevalent than the Astros and then Alex Cora took some stuff to the Red Sox and mm-hmm. kept it going. There's been rumblings all along. I mean, the Yankees have been caught doing this before, doing stuff like this uh, before. The lighter versions. The Astros stuff is still by far the most egregious, both the banging scheme and... Uh, but just in general the idea that they are doing this on every pitch and this is a thing I kind of we wanted to talk about I think why this is so egregious and and so there's different levels here Uh, to begin with like obviously there has been as long as baseball has existed well I guess when baseball first started everybody just flipped the ball up there so the hitter could hit it and that was the pitcher's job the pitcher was like not that was like the least important position because your whole job is just flip the ball up there and then we'll have some baseball and everybody can run around and see what happens. But then as soon as pitchers got better and they started having different pitches and people figured out how you could do stuff, you didn't want to tell the batter what was coming. And so I'm sure there was like a day where they were like, well, we'll just have the pitcher throw whatever he wants. And then the catcher was like, that fucking sucks. We're never doing that. That game, we're never doing that one again. I hated that. And so since then, it's been it. Uh, to the pitcher, and we don't want the fucking catcher. We don't want 2016-era uh, Wilson Contreras, who goes out to the mound after literally every pitch. So uh, we had, so it's just like, you know what, we'll throw down some signs. And so it became part of the gamesmanship. If you're standing on second base, you can try to get the signs. And that's exciting, but it's also it's, – I feel like it's a, a really – It's not a designed part of the game because it wasn't intentional, but it works really well in that it doesn't take that much competence to prevent the other team from getting your signs, and it's of such limited effectiveness. It only works, first off, when there's a runner on second base, and then when there's a runner on second base who's been out there long enough to get the signs and then either (laughs) tell his teammates or whatever, or he just is on second base for several batters or several pitches at least, it's it's like in the grand scheme of the game it's hard to believe that there's like 15 pitches the whole game where you might <laughs> be able to convey that edge to the hitter. So the Red Sox stuff is basically alleging that they were using cameras to get the signs so that they could give them to the any runner on second and so they'd have it from the first pitch they were on second base. They would not have to get they would not have to watch the catcher and figure out what the signs were, they would instantly mm-hmm. know as soon as they were on second base during a pitch what the sign was and they could convey it. That's bad, but it's not very bad. It's it's It should be illegal. But again, yeah. how many pitch? So like now we've gone from an extremely smart runner can convey a small handful of pitches in a game to now any mildly competent runner on second base can convey those pitches, but again... Not that many pitches. Mm -hmm. The 2017 era Astros sign stealing is just a completely different order of magnitude. It has all the same issues with non-players and non-coaches using technology to do things that would otherwise be impossible. And then it's every fucking pitch the entire game. (laughs) It's 100% of the pitches. It's completely, completely different. And then I do think it's another total step up to then. We eventually got to where it seemed like an open secret around the league. Everybody fucking knew that you know why that trash can sound happens. You know why there's a banging scheme going on. It's not because they think it's funny to hit the trash can. It's because the curveball's coming. And so there were examples very late in this where pitchers would step off and like look at the umpire and point over at the dugout and say, "What the fuck is that? I know what's happening." The yes, thing, what Danny
0: Farukar of the or how do you pronounce his name, of the White Sox,
1: prime example yep, of that. Exactly. People could tell. So at least there's still some sportsmanship because you're doing it stupidly. The buzzer <laughs> thing, at this point, if you're willing to do the buzzer thing and you're just willing to go through all these levels, at that point, like that's what's so difficult about this. If you do that people are like well we need new technology and the catcher can like signal have like a wristband and signal well why the hell won't the astros just hack that and steal the science that way that's no different it's just like we'll use technology and we'll do anything and we'll just keep it as secret as possible and if we can figure it out fuck you for not figuring it out first so the only solution is going to be you have to convince the players it's not in their interest to do this
0: and when you think the only way way to do that is by punishing the players themselves, but again, you you know, like you said, you have the CBA coming up, you have all these other issues coming up, and it's just, I mean, yeah, I, yeah. I, I mean, when I asked you the question, I I knew that you would have a much better, more thoughtful baseball response than what I was thinking of because we were kind of talking about it in my office today, and someone was like, "Well, you know, what's the difference between you know someone seeing signs from second base and someone seeing." And, you know, having cameras, like, isn't it just a step beyond? But I, I think you're absolutely right in that the guy standing on second maybe affects, I don't know, at most 15 pitches in a game, whereas what they were doing was was every pitch. And I, you got to wonder if every single Astros player was wearing a buzzer or if it was just, like, a few guys who really wanted to do it or thought where the team thought it could make the most difference here – Jose Altuve's, your Reddix for that one season where he was really good for them. Um, I know. And now I'm just thinking like, Oh, what was the system? Was it, was it something like Morse code? Were there certain, you know, different pulsing patterns for different pitches? Did they have it down for like locations? Like, was there a complex language around this? It's, it's going to be really interesting to see what, what eventually call comes up.
1: I do like the idea, Like cause what we've seen has been, perhaps unsurprisingly, well, first off, in the report, everybody said it was all Carlos Beltran's fault, and that he was <laughs> How convenient. He was playing like shit in 2017, and then uh, the team was doing pretty well, and then he said, we used to steal signs on a team I was with before. I am fucking 45 years old and a shitty DH. We gotta get some fucking signs so that I can start hitting again. And it was his idea, which although is what you would expect. You would not mm-hmm. think that Jose Altuve would be like, well, I'm the MVP. So now it's time for me to take it up the level. I need to start <laughs> cheating to get even better. Not that, not that that's impossible, but it's not what, especially in the prime of his career, not what you'd expect. Uh, so, but. It's strangely enough, all of this now obviously I'm sure people looking for this buzzer stuff are looking at the high profile players first. But it is weird mm-hmm. that we are finding it on them exclusively to this point. And that the names we have heard have been Altuve, Bregman and Redekin is a good year. I like the idea a lot that like Martin Maldonado, the backup catcher is like, Hey man, can I get some of that buzzer? And they're like, fuck you, it won't make any difference anyway. <laughs> Altuve needs two buzzers. And they like yank it off of him and stick another one on him. <laughs>
0: That is, a really, that is a fun idea of people just not being good enough to waste the effort
1: helping them cheat. But I do think it's conceivable, like, what has to happen, like, so basically I do think it's impossible to stop this completely. Any system you come up with, if teams are willing to go to these lengths, they'll just break that system too. Um, mm-hmm. So you have to convince the players it's not worth doing. and. It is difficult, especially without negotiating it into the CBA uh, to punish players. But I do think there is an idea that you could dis- disincentivize it enough for management that they would take it, it they would become in their interest to prevent the players and they would convey this to the players. Like we can't mm-hmm. do that because I'll lose my job and I'm not here. I'm the fucking manager of this team. I'm not trying to go down with the ship. Like, so did you see the stuff about AJ Hinch's involvement? What he said in the Uh. report. Uh, He claims that he hated the sign stealing, and that Uh -uh. he didn't want anybody to do it. But he felt kind of weird telling people, so he didn't really say anything. But he claims that one night, like after everybody was gone. He went in the video room where they were, like, getting the signs and he smashed up all the video equipment so they would stop. But, like, the report doesn't (laughs) explain, first off, did he tell anyone he had done this? (laughs) And then you just smash it and then you don't tell anyone. Like, hey, by the way, I did that because we're not fucking stealing signs anymore. How did you – you didn't even get – like, so maybe for, like, a day until they replaced the equipment, they couldn't get it back? They didn't have the signs for one game? Mm -hmm. Like, like that is clearly not a man who is acting as though – he is in order for him to keep his job, he has to have oversight of his employees, which is not unreasonable. You know, that's at the end of the day. Lunau says he had no idea any of this was going on, but the Major League Baseball said, You know what? You're the fucking boss. And if you're the boss mm-hmm. and your employees do bad stuff, you're in trouble. Employees should be in trouble too, but also like your job is to know things, and you don't get to go around being like, Well, I didn't know stuff, so uh, it's somebody else's fault. Who cares? So, I mean, that I, mean, I think that's the way you, you defeat this, is you just make it clear to the people running it that they have no choice, that they have to be watching for it. And when they see it, they have to make it clear that it has to stop and possibly report it to the league. I don't know if that's conceivable, but I think that is the most conceivable way to get to it, because I don't think, at least without convincing the players it's in their interest to put this in the next CBA... I don't think you're just going to jump in between now and then and start suspending players and not have an enormous mess. Yeah,
0: I guess. Well, I guess the question becomes then: at what what level is the punishment necessary to deter managers, GMs, team owners? Because you know that in like five years, AJ Hinch is going to be on somebody's bench coach. Going to be somebody's bench coach. There's going to be some redemption. Barry Bonds is a coach right now. And, you know, you can, we can have an argument all day about whether or not steroids saved the game or were bad for the game or whatever. Like, clearly against the rules, clearly broke the rules, but he's good enough that people just don't care because at the end of the day, the only thing that matters is winning championships, right? That's the whole theory of the sport, or at least today's theory, is it's very impossible to, like, enjoy a season that doesn't end in a championship, and so be like, well, whatever, if you can help us win three extra games, that helps us get, you know, a first-round buy, or, you know, whatever. Um, so, I just, I you know, I think what I said in the group text was, like, hey, if you're a fan, five million dollars and four draft picks doesn't seem like too high of a price to pay for a world championship. I don't know if that's high enough price to pay for an owner not to make that not to make that trade i mean you know how much money did they bring in selling championship hats probably five million way more than five million dollars so like what's the level is are they going to have to adopt something like the ncaa death penalty when they when they killed smu for all for almost 20 30 years like what what at that point do you do uh
1: to your first point you're exactly right uh Jim Crane is the owner of the Astros. The report completely exonerates him in a way that doesn't make any sense. Uh, If we're going to say that Jeff Lunau, the general manager, or I think he was probably the president, but whoever, he was running baseball operations, uh, if, if he is in trouble because he was running a group that was cheating constantly, the owner should have the same, should have suffered the same fate. He is that guy's boss and the fact that he gets to just wander away and be like, "Boy, it sure does suck that all my baseballers were doing all this stuff." I mean, he basically gets <laughs> off scot-free. Now, I he was fine, the, the team was fined 5 million dollars. That is the maximum the commissioner can fine a team. Yeah. And uh the owners are the commissioner's boss. The commissioner is not an independent authority. <laughs> the owners honestly, it's a surprise that the commissioner's allowed to fine a team 5 million dollars. If it was That's five dollars, the- that would not be a shock. Um, but but it, it's completely true that it is easy math to do that this worked out really well for the Astros. I do wonder. I don't. I mean, I don't think that the making the decision to cheat is the same as saying we will trade these repercussions for a world championship, because uh, maybe the Astros would have won anyway. And mm-hmm. I'm sure there are lots of teams that have cheated and not won, even though the examples we have gotten publicly so far confirmed are both world champions, which is pretty awkward. <laughs> it would be nice if people like, come out that, like, oh, yeah. And like the 2018 Padres are doing it, too. And, like, we could just work at somebody else and be like, Bob, don't get the idea that like just by doing this, you just instantly become the best. Like, I think the Astros were legitimately... A very good team, but now we it's hard to say, especially if Jose Altuve is doing this all the way through to the very end. Goofy little guy hitting a lot of home runs. It always felt yeah. kind of weird. I don't know. It's, it, 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 it's hard to go too far in any direction with it. Um,
0: I think a favorite... Uh, someone was talking about this earlier today. A favorite thing was there are a bunch of pitchers now talking about how... The players would swing at things so wildly, like the pitch where it was supposed to go. Like a pitcher would throw a pitch and it would just go someplace else. And people on the Astros would swing almost out of their shoes at the place where it was supposed to go. It's like a comical effect. And they always thought like that was the strangest thing. Like, huh, if they had, if I'd thrown the pitch accurately where they threw their bat, would have, like, it would have, you know, been a giant bomb or whatever. So, <laughs> I think that's, I think that's, like, a very interesting thing that I wouldn't have thought of and, like, a neat tell.
1: I, now, a lot of people say that, like, data is good evidence, but I think the best evidence is anecdotal. And I can tell you that <laughs> in playing uh, baseball video games, I can <laughs> never use the guess pitch, because if I'm, like, uh, Gonna be an inside fastball. I swing an inside fastball no matter what happens. If I go <laughs> in there, I'm like, oh, I just press all the things you the pitch and I guess. I just always assume I guessed right because I'm gonna get that bonus and pound it. And then, like, well, that was a slider two feet outside and you're out now. You've embarrassed your family. <laughs> so it absolutely makes sense that in that situation when, like, not only are they guessing that, but they have been told. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it, I mean, again, anecdotally, the fun, the most fun thing. So the only thing we've, really got as far as cheating all the time it remains the 2017 astros and according to the report if you believe this well certainly the 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 banging scheme aspect like many banging schemes only took place at home uh was not (laughs) not occurring (laughs) on the road and there's nothing weird in the astros home road splits at all which is really really disappointing if you look at it, it's they 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 were a little better on the road, especially once you account for, you know, the traditional home road splits. Now, I don't buy for a second that they were like, "Well, we figured out a perfect way to cheat." Pretty hard to go do that someplace else. So we'll just do it in half our games and just fucking lose all the other ones. The report would have you believe that, though. Um, and if you do believe that, this it's not un. Unre- I don't think it's reason. Hmm. I think it's. Where do I want to? How do I want to phrase this? As counterintuitive as it is, and I don't think this is the case, but it's not unreasonable. Say that maybe stealing signs isn't that useful. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it feels so strange. But, and it's also one of those things that lots of players, there's famous stories about, you know, teams figuring out, same with pitch tipping. The teams would figure out. Oh, you can tell this guy's doing this and that, and you know all the pitches. And some guys just say that I don't want it. I don't like it. It's not. It doesn't help me. Now, mm-hmm. a lot. Of Mark McGuire said that steroids didn't help him hit home runs. A lot of <laughs> players have a lot of incentive to be like, oh, you know that thing where I really stuck my neck out and I cheated, and I, I could get in lots of trouble if I got caught. And I did get caught. Didn't actually help. I just did it as a joke. I did it for no reason, even though now I'm in huge trouble because I did it. That doesn't necessarily (laughs) follow, but it is true. You look at the numbers. It's not. It's it's hard, and and then obviously anything involving lesser schemes, involving runners on second base, sample size is worthless. You you can't tell anything, especially because even if you were were to go in and say the Astros had this sorted out, or the 2018 Red Sox had it on every single pitch with a runner on second base, the sample size just doesn't work. It, it you can't tell anything. Um, but the Astros—that's a whole season—and you ostensibly ought to be able to do this home and away, and find it. And they were a little better on the road, which is really—I don't know. I, I just—I mean, does that mean
0: that it didn't help, or does that mean that they just figured out how to do it on the road? I think they were doing it on the road because <laughs> they
1: were a historically yeah. fantastic offensive team, and were again last year. I don't think this is done. I think we got a lot more to to see how this goes and I think that I think that involving the players in this initial investigation is really troubling. And so I would if I had to bet, I would say that MLB is gonna be like, you know what? We cannot go down this road further. Yeah. There be dragons. You mm-hmm. go over there you don't like what you find. It's not going to be one team. It's not going to be three teams. Uh, you read about so the Astros are the number one, Red Sox too, but then you hear you hear a lot of buzz about the Yankees, you hear a lot of stuff about the yeah. Rangers, a little bit about the Brewers. Those are the teams I feel like I've seen standing out.
0: I guess the Brewers would be pretty good evidence. That Christian
1: Yelich feels like a good Christian one, right? And the way he flipped out on your so garbage. Much. Um, That was, like, the guiltiest act I ever saw.
0: (laughs) You Darvish is – I love his Twitter. It's so good. Did you see that (laughs) the Dodgers are – the city of Los Angeles is petitioning uh, Major League Baseball to retroactively award them the championship, and you Darvish retweeted the story and said something to the effect of, If we have a championship parade for the 2017 year, can someone please make me a jersey that says, You Garbage Man?
1: (laughs) (laughs) It is also nice. I mean, he still, he was the first person I thought of when all this started. He is by far the most sympathetic figure here because, not that he's hurting, but if you wanted to point to one guy who, like, directly lost, like, he probably, it sounds to me like he should have won a World Series. And he should have not had a horrific World Series that cost him, at the very least, tens of millions of dollars on the free agent market. Mm -hmm. He just got hosed. Yeah, he
0: got got screwed pretty badly. If yeah, there's one person who a series against the Astros
1: totally screwed over, it's probably him. I guess it is fortunate for baseball that it's not unreasonable that the Astros could have just like easily won the World Series this year. What if they'd won the World Series three times in a row and this had happened? Oh my God, can you imagine? It doesn't take that many different events. You don't have to change the results of that many games to get to that.
0: Mm. That would be crazy. I, I, I don't know what you... Do then. Cause that is a diff I mean one championship is bad enough. Maybe even two and three years is is bad enough. Man, if they had if they had consistently won every year that they had this very elaborate cheating system, that's I think that's beyond even the levels that it's at right now.
1: I guess in that scenario you'd have to go the other way and like have baseball then just expose everybody cheating. <laughs> I'd be like, see, guys, it's not that big a deal. Every fucking team in the league is doing it. Hey, do you need a break? I can make a note here if you want to take five minutes or something.
0: Okay, Don, Don and Chaos just came home. Um, and Don is making a strange face. When I came home, it smelled like burning rubber in here. Um, and apparently it still does, and I've just grown used to it.
1: I left the gas on when I was cooking the other day. And then, uh, and then, like, I thought I had it turned back off. And then Gina came out and was like, Jesus Christ, what's going on here? I was like, I got it fixed. You did not get it fixed. What's happening? And I was like, Oh, yeah, I didn't get it fixed. Sorry. (laughs) So she might have saved my life. Who knows?
0: There was once when I lived at my last place, there was um, a couple that lived. I lived in the like basement slash first floor. There's a couple that lived on the second floor, and I think the guy's mom lived on the first floor. And once, like, they came down and pounded on my door, like, did you leave the gas on? Like, my mom's smelling gas. Did you leave the gas on? Said, no, I'm pretty sure that everything's off. And it turned out that uh, the mom had actually thought she was boiling some water, but just never sparked it correctly. And was apparently didn't notice that she did not have a pot of boiling water after two hours. She had a um, pot of her,
1: boiling gas.
0: Yeah. It's like the windows were open for five hours. Oh, the fire department came. It was, it was definitely a very serious deal. <laughs> I felt very offended, Like, Oh, so I'm the one that kept the gas on, huh? <laughs> even though my apartment does not smell like gas. And I bet your mom's apartment smells like I, rotten eggs.
1: What, yeah. What must it even be like in there? Well, Matt, I have bad news. Those stories are interesting enough that uh, we are not going to cut around any of that. <laughs> All that stays. Um, Is,
0: should I explain why it, it might smell like burning rubber in here?
1: Yeah, what's up with that?
0: So, uh, as we discussed kind of before the episode started, uh, my dryer has been broken for approximately three weeks. There's this 20-year-old Maytag double stack. Uh, and the, the landlord unsuccessfully tried to fix it for a couple weeks and then just decided to get an entirely new set. Um, and now the washer doesn't work. Uh, I loaded it up with the first, you know, with some sheets because we hadn't been able to do those for a while, and a couple towels, and the, the tumbler or agitator filled all the way up to the top, and then it just sits there. So now I have a washing machine full of water and sopping wet Sheets and towels that refuses to wash. Um, and when I came back, the landlord was here and was like, oh, yeah, it smells like that because they wired it incorrectly at first and it caused a spark and uh, it created some smoke and that's why it smells like this. Um, but apparently it still smells like this and it's been at least three hours. So I'm thinking maybe they did not wire it correctly. And that's why it is refusing to actually agitate.
1: I was going to say, I think I got a lead on why your washer doesn't work. You (laughs) left that part out of the story before.
0: (laughs) Well, well, Ray was like, no, but then, you know, I saw it and I told
1: them and they wired it correctly. Yeah, (laughs) after they fucking blew out the thing that goes to the agitator. Sure. Yeah, maybe. I'd, I'd say that washer's going in the trash. It's also, it's such a shame. I believe this has to be the first landlord in recorded history to buy a new appliance for a current tenant. And you just, and then this is what happens. And you just said, no, he's going to the landlord convention in Las Vegas next week. And he's going to get there and be like, you motherfuckers, we got to stick to the script. Never buy anything. Don't buy one fucking new thing. You know what happens? The whole house exploded. These guys are dead in Chicago. They're over.
0: I know. Technically, our lease is up in like two months. I feel like we was like, these people are cursed. Uh They can never live here again. What a shame. Otherwise, nice guy.
1: Ray. He sounds like a nice enough guy. Old guys are cool. Sometimes. Usually not. Uh Uh-oh. But he sounds like a good one. Uh, More importantly, Matt, what sauce are you bringing to the table this week?
0: Uh, I am bringing lasagna sauce.
1: Lasagna sauce. I love lasagna.
0: Lizano sauce, L I Z A N O. It is, uh, what is it? It is made from water, sugar, salt, carrots, chili peppers, cucumbers, cauliflower, dry mustard, celery spice, turmeric, and molasses. Uh, there is a local, it's also known as Costa Rican table sauce. Apparently, it's like the official sauce of Costa Rica. There's a really good Costa Rican place uh, by my apartment called Irazu that has excellent sandwiches, kind of similar to um, like Cuban sandwiches, but a little different. Um, and this sauce is just delicious, and you can pour it on anything, and it's really, really good.
1: It sounds very good. I, I like that list of ingredients. I feel like this is a thing I, I hear a lot when we have this sauce segment on the show the universality of sauce. There's so many sauces that despite having such a discrete list of ingredients, the things that go together, and these, these sauces resemble one another in, in very little ways, but they can just be put on anything. So what kind of thing do you like to put this sauce on?
0: Uh, the sandwich, obviously. Um, when I used to eat more chicken, it's really good on chicken. Um, surprisingly good on, like, fries or even Ooh. just tortilla chips. It's like kind of a... Not quite a salsa, but you know, just a little bit of dip. Uh, very tasty.
1: So, is this you talk? I remember one of the ingredients you listed was cauliflower. Is this mm-hmm. is this like run through a food processor and just tiny little bits, or has it got like pieces of cauliflower in it?
0: Oh no, tiny little bits. Definitely, okay. it's 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 a smooth. So, does it get soft. to the
1: point of like creaminess.
0: Um, it's not creamy. It's actually a little bit runny, um, but it is quite smooth. So, I'm not really sure. I, I mean, I guess they must just food processor it to death, so to speak. Um, but it's, it's pretty smooth. Um,
1: what color does it come out? It's not really color creamy.
0: Um, it is kind of a brownish, yellowish.
1: I was thinking <laughs> you had the turmeric in there. So that's red. probably going to be the dominant thing. And if turmeric's in there, you're going to come back to yellow or brown at some point, regardless.
0: Yeah. It looks a little bit like, like a, you know, a green chili sauce that you get. In those little cups with tacos, but not quite. A little more, little more yellow, a little more brown. But well,
1: it very sounds tasty. really good. I
0: don't know if it has umami in it. But...
1: Now, that could be maybe after we get through all the sauces, then we'll have a new segment where someone has to combine two of the sauces. And so we'll take the bomb sauce that's nothing but umami and then add the Insanity Lozano cauliflower sauce into turmeric and just put it all together and just be like, Here's everything I had in the kitchen. It's just called my whole kitchen sauce.
0: <laughs> I like it.
1: Well, that, that was an, an excellent contribution. I do. I feel like at some point, Pat Polk, maybe somebody could accumulate. I feel like most of the time we get a recipe when we do the sauce segment. Shouldn't there be like a cookbook or somebody's just like, here's the, the the list of the sauces like not every time I know one time when I think I just said I like Trader Joe's Thai chili sauce we probably don't have a recipe for that mm-hmm. but uh, in general I think we can make most of these sauces and they all sound really good. good do you have a food processor I don't have a food processor though I can't make it somebody else have to make it for me
0: I guess we'll just have to get Dave to make it and then ship it throughout the
1: country I feel like it's necessary to say Dave you do not have to do that <laughs> like I would feel bad. I it would, I would, I would eat it if you did, but don't do it. I mean, that's that's a lot of work, and I can, I can come up with a food processor Do you have a food processor?
0: I don't. We just recently got uh, a KitchenAid stand mixer, Ooh. which I'm excited about because that means Dawn is going to start baking a whole lot of stuff, uh, which I am a big fan of. She's already cooked lately some challah bread. It was quite tasty. Um, there's been a lot of pretzels lately, which has been fantastic. Um, it's you know it's been it's been good times here, baked goods wise lately. Don't have to depend on uh, grocery store donuts or croissants at the moment. That's nice.
1: That's very nice. Uh, I, I don't have a fancy stand mixer or anything, but Gina and I do have a small list of items that we are beginning to accumulate. That it's like you know. Once we have a mixer, we'll be able to make this. And so Mm -hmm. I feel like it's eventually just because that list is going to be so long, we're going to have no choice, but to just be like, yep, we're fucking making it.
0: It's good. I I recommend
1: it. Uh, Why are you walking around? What's going on?
0: Uh, Chaos the dog returned, as people know because you're leaving in that part. He was just sitting there basically whining at me, and I was trying to see if I could get him to uh, indicate what he wants, but I don't think that's possible. According to Don's uh, angry whisper, he has been whining consistently all night. Uh, so, you know, at this point, he is 15 years old and deaf and mostly blind, and I think maybe getting a little senile. So it's always a bit of a mystery, try to figure out what exactly he wants from the humans in his life at any given moment
1: 15 is pretty fucking good for a dog you must be a very good dog owner
0: yeah you know i do what i can spoil him a little too much let him uh lick my hand incessantly because that is his favorite favorite Aww. thing to do and uh yeah
1: It's a it's a good job by you. I'm glad that dog is doing so well. I I I know the name implies, you know, some wildness. But I, I in my short time hanging out with him, I had nothing but uh, but good experiences back in those days. So uh, glad Cloudcast well. a good dog.
0: It was just staring at me, very disconcertingly.
1: It kind of sounds like he fucked up the washer and he feels bad. Is is this on the table?
0: Chaos, did you just mess up the washer? Is it you? Did you make it smell like burnt rubber in here? Apparently not. Apparently he just wants to go for a walk.
1: (laughs) Well, Matt, we have just one, one segment. Well, technically two segments, but one of them is plugs, and that barely counts as a segment. But more importantly, we have our last remaining major segment. Which I am going to uh, introduce as, what do you like in a dive bar? So, just just very generally, we talked a little bit before about like if you're going out for drinks, you're going into a little hole in the wall place, wherever, and you walk in, so you haven't been there before, perhaps you're in a new town or a place, your friend suggests you go to a place you haven't been before, and you walk in, and you just get that first look around the place. What are you looking for to decide if this place is is for you, if it's a good fit?
0: Mm-hmm. Um, it has to be dimly lit. That's a must. Um, there must be some sort of jukebox. I don't know if I have a particular preference as to jukebox. I, I like both, you yeah. know, these, your kind of classic... At this point, it's weird to say classic, like, CD ones, um, as well as the more recent Internet Connected You-Can-Listen-To-Anything-You-Want ones. Um, that's key. I do like, but do not require, a good uh, pool table. Um, those are just kind of the basics.
1: For the listener, Matt is still walking around his apartment and is making weird faces. I don't know if this is a smell issue or a chaos issue. I'll let him be distracted for a little but I can just talk if you want to handle some business. Everything okay? Is your house going to burn down because of the weird smell?
0: I don't think the house is going to burn down because of the weird smell. Hopefully not, anyway. <laughs> We the, shall the, see. The
1: confidence level seems to be de- uh, decreasing rather than increasing, which is not usually what you like to see. Well, you
0: know, if you hear about uh, a three-flat burning down in Logan Square tomorrow, you know, maybe see if it's on Washington. If it's on Washington, then I'm probably dead.
1: I feel so. like forensic investigators are going to, like, come requisition the recording of this podcast and <laughs> try to, like... <laughs> Wipe the vid, like get the video of our conversation off my computer, so they can look around in the background and see, look for clues as to what what caused this conflagration.
0: This is going to be the their version of the black box.
1: Yeah, as good as they're going to do. Uh, in reference to what you said, dimly lit. Obviously, I mean, I can't imagine any what other direction you'd go there, but I have definitely been in bars that might have otherwise been comfortable little shitty bars that are just a little too bright usually with Mm -hmm. a fluorescent light you don't need it Uh, i have to disagree i know this is perhaps perhaps contrarian in 2020 i don't need the old school jukebox ever again i feel like touch tunes will give you the jukebox for free as long as you let them have a bite every time i don't want anything else i don't want to have to get up and go over there i don't want people knowing i played the songs because I am usually <laughs> playing songs that people don't want to hear. I have a strong policy. It states that whenever I go to a bar, it's just as a rule, if I'm at a place, and I see a Touch, tones, touch Tunes jukebox, I always have credits on my phone. And I'm like, oh, there it is. And I get out my phone, and I play Pony by Genuine. It's just what happens. Just, do, no you,
0: do you do the thing where you pay the extra bit of money so your song plays next no matter what?
1: Don't tell Mike Huber, but almost exclusively, yes. Like, if I get in there and I see that <laughs> it's, it is like, seems abundantly unnecessary, I will not do it. But in general, I am a bit of a spendthrift when it comes to uh, Touch Tunes credits. And I'm not trying to hear Pony in an hour. I'm trying to hear Pony right now. And so I, I, I'm usually able to achieve that end. So I want that, and then I want to look around the room and see who responds to it. I had a very good experience with that at a bar around Christmas with just vibing with certain people in the room and realizing that they were like, somebody's playing the right kind of music and somebody else is playing the wrong kind of music. And it was going back and forth and I just looking like, oh, you're gonna know this is my song, even though they didn't know who I was. It was a very good time. Uh pool table I have no use for. You could at pool?
0: I am very streaky at pool. Did you have a pool uh, table pool- growing up? Yes, my mom had one in her basement. They used to play on pretty frequently. Um, so I, but I would never got like really good. But I got good enough that I could go on streaks where I could hit a few really good shots in a row, and then I would completely biff a very easy shot. Um, I was terrible at long shots. So like you know, the ball if the ball was close to the cue, but I had to hit. You know, the the actual ball to a pocket that was pretty far away. I just had the worst trouble with it.
1: I feel like I am generally pretty good at, like, just pick up some bar game or pick up something you haven't played before and I like, just jump into it. And then, like, as soon as people get, like, where they really practiced and done it more, I'm not as good as them. But as far as, like, oh, we mm-hmm. haven't done this before, I'm usually able to step in and be okay. But pool is not that for me. I am very bad at pool. Uh, my favorite, when I'm thinking about it now, my favorite pool memory is one time, I believe, at Darts. We apparently did not get our fill of bar games. And uh, Bill and I were playing pool at Clark Bar. In and, the basement? Uh, I No, I think it was out in the entryway. Okay. And we were both not, like, neither of us were any good. But if I remember correctly... I was, like, kicking Bill's ass. Like, we were both doing a bad job, but I was winning pretty comfortably. And then, mm-hmm. do you remember uh, old law school person Christina Blackford? That yeah. Name, Ring a Bell? She came over, mm-hmm. and she was like, uh, hey, Bill, I'm really good at pool. Let me help you. And then she started going around and, like, pointing at, like, where to hit the ball. And I was like, obviously, everybody knows where to hit the ball that's not gonna help and then bill just destroyed me instantly and it was like somehow like her guy like i thought i fucking knew where to hit the ball and i just wasn't good at doing it Uh, instantly he was like a thousand times better than me and just like ran the table and the game was over it made no sense at all uh bill if you're (laughs) listening let us know if if your memory of this is the same he'll probably just say christina wasn't there and he kicked my ass the entire time but uh that is my memory of it um when you go to you go to a dive bar, you get up there and you see the taps first. How about this? How many how many taps do you want to see?
0: Uh, I think six is a pretty standard.
1: So you're, you know, you're fine I think with six. If there seven. are
0: more than six, than me, I, I, I it surprised me to find a dive bar with more than six. You go to some bars where like they have they're more known for the selection. You know that's cool. That's like a different thing. That's a different experience. I think if there's more than six at a dive bar, then things are weird.
1: Okay, you go to the dive bar. You you got your six taps. For, okay, how about for this first? There's six. There's probably five shitty beers that taste the same and one good beer. What do you want the one good beer? Or do you want there to first off? Do you want there to be five good beers and then one that's pretty good? Or do you just fine with six shitty beers? And you don't give a shit.
0: I'd like at least one pretty good beer.
1: Okay, what do you want that one to be?
0: Hmm. Uh, lately I will get um, <laughs> Do you remember when you guys came to Chicago for a draft party and we went on the tour of the brewery that my friend runs? And everyone else was super hungover, and I'm pretty sure that Bill puked in the alley
1: outside. I think it was on the street, but yeah, something like that. I will say, it was mostly, we were very hungover, it was the worst Uber ride I've ever been on. (laughs) It was all side streets for, I didn't even know that Chicago was a 100 miles wide, but it is, apparently. And it was all side streets, we didn't even see a highway the whole way. Just back and forth, nodding around like little municipal parks and shit. Nightmare. And then Bill just like chucked it in the, I, I want to say like on the sidewalk by the street. <laughs> this is mostly just like making fun of, <laughs> not even making fun of Bill, but just saying things that he might disagree with. And then he's going to get to come back and tell us. That's so let true. Let us know what actually happened, but also whether or not you were running a pool. But anyway, so we that was Off Color, is that right?
0: Right. The name of the brewery is Off Color. And they, Tend to be at least in the area that I live in, uh, kind of the good beer at shitty bars, um, or dive bars. I guess mm-hmm. I should say. Um, so that's you know that's a pretty standard one that I like to go to. Sometimes they'll have uh, Bell's Two Hearted, which I really love. I think that's a very good like standard kind of drinkable beer. So those are kind of my two go tos at the dive bars. Uh,
1: Bell's Two Hearted is perhaps I, is. I hadn't thought of it, but that might be like the best possible answer because they do have shocking uh, coverage. There's a better word for that there, but they get into so many places like this as the one good beer, and it is absurdly good for such a thing. I will say that it will usually be the worst two hearted you've ever had because these places are like <laughs> not like the glass is dirty and the tap line is dirty and it's very old because everybody else is ordering cans of ham so it doesn't even make any difference you could you could drink thirty of those and you would you'd be the only thirty they bought they sold this month but uh that that's a really good call a lot of plate like up here um do you do you have surly in uh Chicago yeah. I, th- I think I thought they had gotten there. That's a big of the smaller things is like the biggest one here and so they have a lot of coverage as there'll be a surly tap or two at the end that you know they went and talked their way into and then everything else is what you'd expect. And so like a very standard surly furious at a place in Minneapolis is uh a very good time. And then so we kinda got to this before. When you've got those six taps and there's either one or zero good beers. Are you or, are you ordering? Are you ordering a beer on draft, or are you like let me let me take a look at those cans? and I'll just get a can because I don't trust this place. Even though it's good, it can be good enough that you like it. But you're like, I also know how how the game is played. Can I get a High Life in a can?
0: Or High Life in a bottle?
1: Or High Life in a bottle.
0: Like High Life in a bottle. Um, I I tend to mix it up. It just kind of depends on what I'm feeling. Like a lot of the places. Around here we'll have a surprising selection of cans from, you know, some of the smaller breweries and whatnot around. But sometimes, like, what they have in the cans is way better than anything on tap. I mm-hmm. think um, Paul, I know, has been to uh, Maplewood and has brought Maplewood around to various things that we've done. Um, And that's really good. And sometimes places will have that. A lot of places will have uh, half-acre cans uh, where their draft selection is not great. So sometimes you can get really good stuff uh, or at least much better stuff uh, from a can, and, you know, that's what you want at that particular point. And sometimes you just want a shitty high-life draft.
1: Yeah, I, I think that uh, high-life is a, is a good place to fall into. Um, I will say that it just occurred to me another one, and this is a thing I never think to drink otherwise. It's, it's a... Uh, I, I would never buy it to take it home, and if I'm at a decent place, I wouldn't get it, but when I'm at a shitty dive bar, that that, that musty scent and the, uh, the the shitty tile floor gets my uh, taste buds in the mood for Strongbow. You ever drink any Strongbow?
0: Strongbow cider? <laughs> yeah. I'm not a big cider person.
1: I'm not. I, I used to be more of a cider person, and I, I like, there's actually a a cidery um let's say five blocks from my house that i've been to once don't Mm -hmm. drink a lot of cider but when i am at local dive bar uh otter bar which has a big painting of an otter in a tuxedo on the side of it i usually will walk in there and be like i wonder what i'm gonna drink and i get inside like i need some fucking strong bow I will also complain about Otter Bar for a moment and say that they have a thing which I like. This thing they got like tons of like all the bottles of booze and stuff, but then, like, up in the corner, they got this thing and it says, uh, Shot, let the otter decide. And then there's another drawing of an otter and then it's got a spinning wheel with six numbers drawn on it. It's like made out of cardboard and it's just like hand drawn, and you spin the thing. And then uh, whatever it lands on, that's what you get. And it's like three dollars. So you don't get to pick the shot, but there's like six different bottles up there, and you just get whatever the otter chooses for you. Fun concept. Except all six of the bottles are total shit. Yeah. It's like it's like pucker and like things you never want a shot of the whole game should be that one of them is fucking good and you really want it. And even if, even if the board is rigged and you can't actually get it, the fun of the game is like, I'm going to get that blue label this time. It's going to happen. And you just order like four of them. And they're like, nope, you got Red fucker three times and Green fucker once. Fuck you. The Otter hates you. I don't know why they can't put one. Even, again, just the, the whole concept. I don't understand what the point of doing it is if there isn't one thing up there that any – like Who, has anybody ever gone in there and ordered a shot of Pucker otherwise? I can't imagine. I don't think
0: so. I can't remember ever actually asking for Pucker. I remember being provided Pucker at various points of my life, but I've never actually asked for it. Yeah.
1: Uh, okay, last thing. So talk, so just throw some, give me some names of, uh, Dive bars that you like. And let's see if we can go over some trends, some ways to identify a dive bar by its name. So, like, give me some names that you like
0: uh, Corner Bar. Mmm.
1: That's strong. And, and also, just bar in the name. Bar in the name means it's either very shitty or very nice.
0: Mm hmm. Um, Bob Inn. Inn is good. Those are my favorites there oh, there used to be one that got shut down there's one called the mutiny which is somewhere between dive bar and actual just dangerous place to be <laughs> um, that was pretty fun for a while when I was younger um fireside bowl technically has a bar in it and it also used to be the center of the Chicago punk scene during the 90s until it was Decommissioned as a performance space and turned back into the bowling alley. It always used to be. Um, Yeah, those are all good ones.
1: In and a bar are very strong. There's a place, so I will first off say I don't think everybody who I talk to calls Otter Bar Otter Bar. I think it's Otter's Saloon, but Otter's Saloon, I don't think is a good name. I think that sucks. I also have trouble saying it. I don't like the, the possessive there. I think it's a possessive. I don't think it's the saloon of multiple otters, Otters, but I, I think Otter Bar, they should change the name and it should be Otter Bar. Uh, there's a place called Knight's Inn nearby. Uh, I think that's a good name. I like the super generic thing. Mm-hmm. And then also, like, The Mutiny. We, I haven't gone into particularly the, the Brass Rail that we have strong allegiances to in our olden days. Uh, the, the name of just an item or a thing without any particular designation. I think that is strong as well. So I, I guess there's, a, there's lots of ways to get there. I am always, if it's if it's a person's name, I feel like that's too far. Are any, are any of these places we've thought, I, I, I there's a can't think of what it is. It's a place way far south I went to once in, in Minneapolis that was really bad, and it was like Danny's or Dave's or something, just that plain. I think that is a good sign that it's not going to be the kind of thing I want.
0: There's a place that straddles both worlds on Division. It used to be a lot more divey. It's called Phyllis's Musical Inn.
1: And we so got I think in, but we also both. have a name, so I can see how it's straddling, yeah.
0: Right, so it has both. And it, it, it has, as its name implies, a uh, music act basically every night. Um, and it used to... It was closed for a while for reasons that were never quite clear to anybody. Uh, but I think it's back up and running for the last couple of years. Ooh, another good one that used to be an awesome dive bar, but was recently purchased, was uh, The Gold Star, also on division that got taken over. And apparently like that was the kind of place where it had uh, plastic outdoor furniture as it's indoor all the time. For oh sure.
1: no. <laughs> oh yeah. That's one of those things that I like in theory. And then I get there and I'm like, my ass is too big. I can't, this is, I have, we got you guys, we have to go Something. This is like if I was in a wheelchair and you're like, there's no ramp. I just can't be at this bar. It's it yeah. was, in fact, it was kind of rude of you guys to bring me here. Um, I just Googled and I confirmed, first off, that I I have always been a guy. I just, I don't necessarily call things the right names. If, I, if there are any of you I don't call the right name, please let me know. But I, I tend to make things up. It is Otter Saloon, not Otter Bar. It is also uh, the Night Cap. Oh. Which is, it's night with a K.
0: Sure, I like That's that. That's pretty good.
1: I will also say there's a, a place in town I've been to who that I hate, which is Cuzzy's Grill and Bar. It's So first off, you named your name right next to Scuzzy. That's bad. Yeah. And then it's also one of those places where they've got, like, dollar bills stapled to the wall everywhere throughout the whole place, and people are, like, oh, wow. drawing them and stuff. It's fucking gross in there. I hate it. And Gina and I have gotten into like a big fight there like twice. And she always, always like, Is that actually really, I was like, no, that place fucking sucks. And it makes us get into fights. <laughs> it's probably just because like if we end up at Cuzzy's, like everything already went wrong. It's a disaster. Yeah. So I don't like Cuzzy's. And uh, there's also a place in my neighborhood called the Vegas Lounge, which Ooh-oh. has uh, none of the shimmer and all of the skank that comes with <laughs> uh, Las Vegas. So I, I, I don't think I recommend that one either stick to your uh, stick to your nightcap stick to your uh otter bar not otters saloon uh matt do you have any do you have any final words on dive bars anything we didn't get to that you'd like to uh mention before we move on
0: i can't believe i forgot one that i spent a large chunk of my 20s in especially the time between college and law school which was the inner town pub uh also in the wicker park area
1: is that no. how, what? In, inner is that I N T E R or I N N E R? I N N E R. That's right. I like that.
0: And it's it's been there for God knows how long. It's like in the middle of a neighborhood. Um, it's one of those places where it has this big sign. You know, Please be quiet when exiting the bar. Oh,
1: that's a good. Not the neighbors to get pissed it's like that. Yeah.
0: I feel like if if a place has one of those signs, it's probably an okay bar.
1: It's always. They- Go ahead, go ahead.
0: Can't get obnoxiously loud and terrible and popular enough, or else it would be shut down. So it has like just that right level, usually, that I'm looking for.
1: I like that vibe when you're walking out of a bar and you've been having a really good time when you're like slapping each other on the back, and then you step outside and there's like not that many street lights and it's just dark. You're like, oh, I gotta be quiet. That that, that <laughs> first step, like, oh, we gotta be quiet now. That That's a great feeling. I always enjoy that. Yeah. I really like that a lot. Um, so yeah, that's been our show. Matt, do you have anything you'd like to plug?
0: Uh, two things. I've been playing a lot of the game Jedi Fallen Order, which is how really is that? Good. It's really good. I like it, especially if you liked uh, Metroid Prime. Um, it feels a lot like that, although it's it's third person, but it's a lot of hey, you know, you're exploring these different places. Some areas are inaccessible, but then over the course of the game, you unlock different abilities that allow you to access those areas. Um, so, it's yeah, it's, it's really good. It's really fun. It's pretty difficult, too, um, which is nice in a way. And it also has that kind of Dark Souls vibe going on, where enemies will kill you, and then in order to get, like, the experience you have gained up since your last save, you have to go back and, fa- and face, like, your nemesis and destroy them and take your power back, which is kind of
1: fun. I was just going to say that, that I, I saw that game was coming out, and I was pretty excited, and then all the stuff I read, if you mention Dark Souls in a review, that just tells me not to play it. That tells me <laughs> to go find a different... Wait wait for the next Mario game to come out, Johnny. You're not playing this game.
0: I'm not that good at video games, and I'm, I'm doing tolerably well. So I, I think you'll be all right.
1: Have you played the game Slay the Spire? No. Do you know what this says? Am I saying this right? Slay the spire. Isn't that right? Am I insane? You could very
0: well be right, and I've just never heard of it.
1: Yeah, Slay the Spire. Uh, I think they announced today that they have the switch version. Is getting some new characters or something? And I'm like, man, I keep hearing about that. I got to look into this game. And then I looked into it, and the like the first line of the Wikipedia page, is like Slay the Spire is a game for like every system, everything out there, and it's a it combines two popular formats. It's a roguelike that also incorporates a deck-building card game. And I was like, close window, <laughs> do not buy. Two things I never want to have in any video game I play. Roguelike not or deck-building bed. card game means not for me. So uh, maybe maybe I could be a, a little more, maybe not so afraid of... Uh, Something that mentions Dark Souls. I do like Star Wars stuff. Maybe I'll give this a shot. Uh what what is your what is your other plug? Uh
0: the last season of the show Shits Creek just started. I don't know if you know of Shits Creek, have heard of Shits Creek. Um it's actually really, really good. Um it, it has kind of filled a hole that Parks and Rec left that I oh, wow. I was there. Um it's the same kind of thing where um it's just it's weirdly wholesome and funny and touching in a way that you wouldn't expect from, you know, your half hour multi-cam sitcom or whatever it is. Probably actually single camera, but, um, so four seasons are out on Netflix. The last fifth and final season has started now. Um, it is the son of, um, oh God, I am blanking on his name. He's Canadian, he has crazy eyebrows.
1: Eugene Levy.
0: Eugene Levy, thank you. Uh, it is actually his son's show that his son both writes and produces, um, although Eugene Levy is also on it as the dad, and it's about this rich family that has fallen from grace. They had a chain of video stores, kind of like blockbusters, and for a joke, at one point they bought a town called Shit's Creek, because um, they thought the name was funny. And then, of course, it turns out that their accountant has been you know, screwing them for years and has embezzled all of their money, and so they have to go live in this town. So it's kind of the fish-out-of-water thing. And it could really be obnoxious, but it's not. Um, and it's just, it's just a, a very good, like, touching show.
1: I've heard fantastic things about this show. I do consider myself kind of an expert on it because I watched the first 10 minutes of the first episode and was like, I don't think so, and <laughs> shut it off. And I've never revisited. Uh, I assume that at some point I will give it another shot and it'll get its hooks in me. Because it, like, the people who talk about it and the way they talk about it, I hadn't heard that Parks and Rec comparison before, but it makes sense. It very much seems like something up my alley. I just haven't, haven't actually made the commitment and gotten into it. I've heard people say that the first season doesn't really work. Do you agree with that?
0: I think that... It
1: finds,
0: yeah, I, I think it takes a little bit to find its level. Um, I, you know, so did Parks and Rec. If you go back Which and watch the very season, true, sixth yeah. episode of Parks and Rec mm-hmm. season, it's kind of terrible. Um, so, you know, I don't know if, if like the first Parks and Rec season, you can entirely just skip it because, and it is inconsequential to the next seasons, but I think it is important to see where the characters begin so you can kind of watch them grow. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think it's worth, I don't think the first season was terrible. I just think it's not as good as the later seasons.
1: That makes sense. Yeah, I, people, maybe that's a better way of phrasing it, is that people are just like, that first season's fine, but once you get through that, then you would be like, oh, now I understand why this is a beloved show that people are like thrilled to have in their lives. Yeah. Um, my plug, I suspect, I think there's a lot of things where people are like, Johnny, you're too late to the game. Everybody did that shit two years ago, three years ago, and that is true. I am always behind the trends, but I purchased recently one of those uh, those Dutch ovens, the, the cast iron with the enamel coating. That's so nice, oh, that nice. Everybody has. Oh my! It's just everything goes in it. It's the best. Gina made a loaf of bread in it last weekend. Huge Ooh. success. Whatever you want to do with it, it's the best tool you have for it. I made chili in it uh, earlier this week. I boiled pasta in it uh, last week. Just it's it's my favorite kitchen implement. It's so easy to clean. It gets so hot. Whatever I want to do with it, it's the best. I was on the fence for a long time. I did not like you can, sp- you can spend like any amount of money you'd like on this. If you decide you want oh, yeah. to give to your grandchildren, you can be like, "Here's my eight hundred dollars." But but I, I got I got the lodge one that wire cutter is like this is fine. Don't worry about. Going beyond that. So it was like 50 or 60 bucks. And I have been more than pleased with it. And I am embarrassed that I was like, eh, I don't really need it. But then eventually, my I had a nonstick, like uh, just a a small stock pot. And then it was getting all fucked up from the nonstick coming out. I was like, I'm just eating fucking nonstick oh, yeah. every time I use this. I just has to go in the trash. Immediately, it's gone. It's over. And so I was like, I'm going to buy something new. I'm going to get something and see if it can uh, really live up to the hype. And it has completely. So if you are similarly on the fence, I think you'll be placed.
0: I have been a little bit on the fence and I was on the fence buying, uh, you know, kind of the lodge cast iron pan for a while. And now it's, you know, now that I've owned it for a few years, it's basically the only pan that I use unless I need, I'm cooking things that require more than one pan.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: So I have a feeling that if I were to buy a Dutch oven it would basically replace
1: most of my pots. Um, Which I'm not necessarily against. Yeah, it's a fantastic... I will say I I ordered... I I ordered the smaller one first, and then it was too small, and I sent it back and I got the bigger one. Uh, So feel free to go ahead and get the bigger one. Um, I also... I don't have a proper cast iron pan. I think I've talked about that on here before. All that shit's gross. You have to wash your pans properly. It's not acceptable. This this thing, the Dutch oven thing, has the enamel coating. You can mm-hmm. wash it fine. You don't have to worry about stuff. I'm not eating out of the pan. Where <laughs> you just I cook the chicken, <laughs> and it's seasoned properly, so it's okay that I washed it by like looking at it while holding a paper towel. That <laughs> just fucking shit is gross to me, and I don't understand it. That like everything else on the show, I want feedback on. I don't want don't tell me how to wash it or what a good idea it is i'm fine with everything else i got going on there uh, do you want to def- do you want to tell me about how you wash your cast iron pan i'll listen to you nobody else
0: uh, i bought one of those long handled soft personal brushes i have the plastic scrapers that look like the end of a spatula but are hard plastic um, and usually i'll just i'll rinse it out with water and scrub it pretty good and that's that's mostly it. Every once in a while, if I tr- accidentally char something, I'll do the thing where you, you know, do uh, coarse salt and kind of scrape stuff off that way, rinse it out. Um, but I try not to do soap as much as possible.
1: Well, I hear you have a lot of trouble with your washing machine. I recommend don't worry about using soap and water, just kind of poke <laughs> at it with a brush and maybe put salt on it. I guess that's fine, apparently. I don't know what universe I grew up in where I thought that I had to use soap and water if I wanted to clean things. Apparently, it's a stupid one. <laughs> Sick burn, Johnny. Everybody's very pleased with how you went out on top here. If anybody thinks I'm getting cocky, maybe I'm a little punchy tonight. I will note a uh, foot of snow coming tomorrow. Ooh, fun. Not fun. Fucking pissed. Had a nice little run, with not too much snow. Not that, like, I got to say, I was talking to my sister today. I didn't even realize this. How much snow do you have on the ground there?
0: Um not much anymore. We had like a couple inches, but now it's almost done.
1: When is the last time you didn't have snow on the ground?
0: A couple of weeks ago, a few weeks ago, I think.
1: Yeah. November here. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> we we not that we were like not on our way to getting ready mm-hmm. to go, but it was like maybe it's gonna clear up then it was like, boy, that Friday is looking rough, and now it's it's looking rough. Mm. But, you know, probably shouldn't have moved to Minnesota if I wanted to have some nice weather. Matt, it has been a delight to have you on the show tonight. I had a great time. Did you have an okay time? I had a wonderful
0: time. I'm sorry for the, the weird looks that nobody else could see. Nobody, um, nobody
1: knows. You, you you hung in there tough, and everybody just thinks that you're a committed podcast guest, and I know you're a committed podcast guest and a committed uh, pet owner. Yeah, you know. It's possible to, to do everything to do it all. You can have it all. That's the main takeaway.
0: <laughs>
1: this podcast proves
0: anything, it is that.
1: Thank you so much, Matt. Best wishes in the interview.